0: All the shoots in your name, Jesus, and as they uh, learn about you, have them soak, soak your spirit. Up in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. amen,
1: amen. Thank you, CJ. True. Thank you. Uh, we could sit and do church like normal, and God knows we've all done a bunch of that. You know, about five, six, seven, ten songs at charismatic churches, or just three songs done ten times. <laughs> then somebody preaches for somewhere from 20 minutes to 2 hours. And then you go home, and by Wednesday you don't remember the title or the peace messages Sunday. I mean, you enjoyed it, but you were just there hearing. I don't want to do that. I'm tired of doing that. I just don't want to do it anymore. We have more fun with impromptu meetings on dirt floors in the middle of nowhere where you feel the sincere, sincere power of the Lord and they're more moving than a thousand of those other religious rut things. So let's pray together that the Lord our God would deliver us from that religious spirit that tries to conform the living power of God into something more palatable for men. Right? Let's pray for that. And then if you have a testimony, and I know Brandon has one because he tried to give it Wednesday and maybe hold it. This service is going to belong to you for a while. I'm not promising I won't take it back because I got a testimony. But it's going to belong to you for a while. So you stand up in the congregation of your brothers and you get to say something about the glory of God, right? And maybe people won't like this. Maybe guests won't come back, right? But I'm not all that interested in what people like. I'm seriously interested in what the Lord likes. Yeah. Yeah. Our meetings have never been more anointed than these last four or five weeks, right? Never. we never had better stuff. And our congregation seems to be shrinking this morning. And I'm telling you, that's all right.
0: Yeah.
1: It is okay. Every time Jesus gathered 6,000, He whittled it down to a few hundred and then maybe to 11, right? Yeah. But boy, the 11 that He had, they were worth something, weren't yeah. they? We don't care. It's not saying we don't care about empty seats around us because you care about the lives that are supposed to yes. fill. Them. So you reach out to them just like we reach out to nations. We start with a life, a family, and then a nation. But having said that, like that old Baptist song says, the only one I remember from the Baptist church even though I spent most of my life there, <coughs> though not none go with me, I still will follow. Right? Don't <laughs> none go with us. Right? So uh, let's pray. Let's pray, and when, when, when I say let us pray, I don't mean y'all sit and listen to me pray. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You've heard people pray. You won't be impressed with me praying. You, you won't be. I won't say, even if I'm speaking in other tongues, I won't say anything you had not heard before. We've been in lots of prayer meetings. When I say let us pray, this means that somewhere inside your spirit, you are beginning not only to agree with the words that you're hearing, but something's coming out of you communicating with God. You're saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, this is my desire as well. Okay, this is not like, dear Lord, bless this Taco Bell to the nourishment of our bodies. We all know that's a lie. Okay? We know nobody means that. It's just a religious thing that we do. Okay? Uh, this is, let's communicate with God together for a moment. Let's invite Him to take over our service and, and not depart from the spiritual because our soul is <coughs> Fair enough? Yes. Come on now. You know what we could do? We could get up off of our salvations. I mean seats. Right? Because the presence of the Lord is still in this place. We could even do something so crazy like a family gathering that you join hands with the people around you. Right? Because you love them. And if you don't love them yet, you'll get to know them. You'll love them. And then together in some sense of unity, let us begin to pray. And if you don't know what to say, then ask God that He give you languages you don't understand and let His Spirit do the work. If you don't know how to do that yet, just hang on. Breathe. You'll get filled. Just breathe. Right? Mighty God, Lord, we come to you with one church. Lord God, one church before you. Holy One, we're asking that Your Spirit would preside upon us. Lord, that You would take control of our need. Lord, we lay aside the plans of men today. We want Your heart, mighty one. We want Your heart in this place.
0: Lord God,
1: we ask that You would anoint the people to share Your Word. That You would anoint them with power. Lord God, that they would feel the violent and shaking of the Holy Ghost this morning. Lord, we say Chains of our religion, free us from that old yucky stuff. In the name of Jesus, we said
0: amen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, all right.
1: If you're a little bit weirded out, it's gonna get worse. I encourage you to hang in there. Brandon, you got a testimony? Can we, my, John, can we set up a mic? Joy, can we? Is that okay? Okay, we'll set up a mic so that uh. And, Y'all feel free. You are not being recorded. Nobody is grading you. These are your brothers and sisters. We already know all of your flaws. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Come on, Brandon. I'm gonna take your seat while you take mine.
0: <laughs>
2: right. uh, pretty much, a lot of y'all over here last Sunday. Whenever Eric spoke about the, the twelve, the twelve um, people, the twelve palm trees that were in Ilium and then the seventy nations that the 70 nations that were mentioned in that same scripture and how that correlated to us needing to get out there, basically. Us needing to have a heart for the nations. Us needing to be focused outward rather than inward. And uh, we all picked all the nations of the world. They amounted to, what, 210-something? 216. 216. And we all just picked them out of a hat, and that may seem to be random, but Eric encouraged me, like, the Lord's going to have a way of making this seem, or making it fit together, and making it significant. And it it really did. It started to to be significant with my wife and I because whenever the the, the nations were scrolling up there, I saw Ireland and I began to have like a heart for for Ireland. And we've always wanted to go there and we both have Irish like backgrounds. And I picked three numbers and the three nations we got were Ireland, Slovenia, and Malawi. And we've just been researching those and there's crazy things going on. Like Ireland has an 86.8 Catholic population. So, all that, all that oppression, all that ritual, all that just stuffiness is trying to block what the Spirit would try to do there. That's eighty-six point eight of the population. And Malawi has things going on like a ten percent infancy mortality rate. Like one out of every ten babies that's born is destined—not destined, but is dying right now. That's like one out of ten kids in this church. Who would want any one of them to die? But. It's happening over there daily, and we, we can't seem to kill enough babies here. They're, they're, they're mourning over 10% of all of their kids in Malawi. And we have one of the biggest abortion clinics here in the entire nation. We can't seem to kill enough of them, but they're mourning every day over one out of every 10 babies being born. They, they see this life come out, and they see this joyous occasion, and then the likelihood that it'll die is 10%. You have a 9 in 10 chance of living, but... Who knows? You could get killed the next day. And in Slovenia, it's a, it's a very, very stoic culture, and they they they're very hard there, and they've been brought up kind of really secularist, like no real powerful spiritual influence there, and it's lots of atheism, lots of Catholicism, but primarily what what really uh, broke our hearts was the the infants in Malawi and, and how how heartbreaking that was and how we need to be focused on what other nations are doing. And, and Ireland has like witchcraft in, in their background and stuff that they just need the power of Jesus. It's plain and simple. They need power of Jesus so that they don't have the likelihood of having their babies killed or having their kids grow up in, in witchcraft or in cath- like Catholic or religious oppression. And uh, it's it's really important to... Have your mind focused on not just yourself, but your family and then your, your nation and the kingdom of God being reached throughout the entire world. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen.
1: Brandon, read to us Psalm 67. Y'all enjoy hearing from Brandon? Yes. yes. We drew names. No, we drew numbers. We didn't have any order to them, no significance to the numbers. We simply numbered the nations. Because we believe that God would bring significance to it. And He did for granted. Right? You don't see the significance yet in your nation. Study more.
0: Right?
2: Yeah. Study Amen. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us. That your ways may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Brandon is the
1: oldest son that's come out of my house. I remember when he had a hair like a poodle. And <laughs> 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 you know more about computer games that he knew about Jesus. But the Lord has been gracious to bless him. He has been compassionate to him. He has thoroughly renovated his life and then added to him a wife, a family. And now he's become concerned about the nations. This is the goal of our ministry. One life at a time, one family at a time, one nation at a time. Would you lead us in prayer for your nations?
0: Mighty God, I pray, and I lift up Ireland, mighty God, I pray, and I lift up all the the mental ascension there, mighty God,
2: that their, their great literature and that their great logic, Father God, that they've gathered so much acclaim for, Father God, I pray that that be shaken loose, Father God, and room for your spirit be made in their hearts, Father God, that It would supersede their minds, Father God, and penetrate deep to their hearts, Father God, deep to the very core of who they are, Lord. And that religious oppression won't hold them down any longer, mighty God, but they might be able to dance in your freedom, Father God. Lord, I lift up Malawi and I lift up all all the people that that are dying of of AIDS, Father God, and all the the people that are are having children, Father God, and then having them die one out of every ten, Father God. I pray that you comfort those mothers and those fathers that have lost babies, Father God, I pray that your spirit would encourage them, Father God, that, that life isn't over, Father God, that that you can work in all things, Father God, that you can piece all things together for your glory, Father God, and that it's not over, Father. Lord, I lift up Slovenia to you, Father God, a European country that's very, very stiff, Father God, very stiff-necked and, and parts of, of rock, Father God. I pray that you break up their stoicism, Father God, and I pray that that uh, a crazy spiritual movement break forth in the country of Slovenia, Father God, that they they won't be considered stoic, Father God, but you would be able to see your light and your glory shining on each one of their faces, Father God, and that they be filled with your emotion, Father God, filled with your joy and filled with the liberty that your spirit gives, Father God. And in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Brandon, did you have anything prepared for this? Do you have notes of that? No. no, did, did, did,
1: you, did you spend hours researching the right way to say this and uh, go take some class on or oration? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you all blessed by what he said? Yes. Yes. The kingdom works by real men and women and sharing real experiences that they are having with their God, the world, and the kingdom. That's how it works. Free yourself from the feeling that you must go prepare to speak to your family. Free yourself from the feeling that you must cross T's and dot I's. All you must do is tell the truth about what you're experiencing. Now, friends, if you have nothing to share, ask yourself, why am I experiencing nothing in the kingdom? And this will bring you to the next question. Am I in this family? The family of God. If you are, you are experiencing something. You may not care to tell us about it or you may care to tell us about it. I'm saying we will benefit from the good, the bad, and the ugly because the chances are, in a room this size, someone is experiencing what you're experiencing, and we're encouraged by each other's testimonies and the blood of the Lamb that delivers
0: us from ourselves. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you, Brandon. Who's got another testimony? Come on, Cass. Come on. Sorry, y'all. I know I'm
3: greedy with microphone. (laughs) Gotta share this with y'all. i never heard that. i got to share this with y'all. Um, if
1: you're greeting with the microphone, what am I attached to my body? <laughs> Just saying.
3: Um, y'all know this weekend we traveled, or maybe you don't know, I traveled um, out of state to go to my mom's wedding. And got oh, to we all went
1: to the third world. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: we went to another third world.
3: Yeah. Okay. Um, I have two sisters. I'm going to keep this brief. I have two sisters. Um, one of them is moving here in two weeks. Praise the Lord. Woo. Yeah. I have another sister who's not doing well in the Lord, and uh, she needs salvation in a mighty way. And our interactions of late have not been good. Um, I will go, I will pursue peace with her as far as it depends on me, but I will not compromise the gospel. I will take my stand, and this is as far as I'll go, and I've made that stand, and She's refused. Um, interaction with me. And so I was real nervous about interacting with her this weekend. And um, speaking with someone about her, and um, the other person was saying, well, we need—we just need to encourage her. Just find something good in her life and encourage her. And I said, no, that's wrong. That's wrong because she needs to feel the weight of the consequences of her choices. She needs to feel that weight and know that we disapprove of that because she's chosen wrong. That's sin. I said, one thing that Matt and I pursue with our children is we're not interested in their happiness because God's not interested in our happiness. Because happiness is dependent upon your circumstances, right? Joy is dependent upon the Lord. So I don't care if she's happy. I don't care if she's encouraged. I don't care about any of those things. I want her to be desperate for the Lord. So I'm not going to encourage her. I want her to feel disgusted with her living situation. I want her to feel desperate for Jesus. And and that's what I want for her. And that's what I've been praying for her. And so yesterday, I got to interact with her, and I was nervous, and she received me. She's in a desperate situation. The Lord is slowly removing things from her, and she's to that place where she's beginning to soften, and she received love from me, which is an amazing testimony because she's been very hard towards me, and um, I told her I loved her, and she received it, and I don't know how to explain it, but she received my love yesterday, and I'm greatly encouraged by that. Don't give up on your relatives. Don't give up on the people that you're witnessing to and your friends. Don't give up on them. Amen. Pray for God to put birds in their nest so that they'll be desperate and reach out for him. Yeah. Because it, their lives will begin to change. They're not going to change when they're happy and everything's going well. Did your life change yeah. when everything was happy? It was. We had to get desperate. Everyone in here had to get desperate for the Lord. Amen. And uh, that's where we want them to be. So I just encourage y'all with that. Amen. And pray for her, Julie. Pray for Julie. Amen. 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 we up. Uh, <laughs>
1: We're not going to read it because I want to move to testimonies. This generation, this environment has not understood the scripture. We've twisted it, manipulated it to make it something selfish. The father of the prodigal did not leave his house to go comfort the prodigal in the pig slot. He stayed at his home, but he watched and he waited for the return of his son. And he gladly welcomed him when he returned. We cannot go comfort people in their sin and tell them it's going to be okay. They are doing something that is killing them. It will not be okay. They are snake bitten and do not know it. There's only one way out, and that's to return to the place you were called to be. I want to encourage, especially you parents in the room. Do not chase your children into the pig slot. And what I'm calling children, we probably should call young adults. They need to feel the weight of consequence so that they can return to the right way and feel the relief of forgiveness. You hinder the work of God when you help them sin. And if you are financing the life of someone who is in sin, friends, you are in sin and you just don't know it. Is that clear?
0: Okay, I'll never
1: win friends with that kind of preaching. People will leave by the handfuls. Of course, they were never really a part of what God was doing. They were participating in sin and want to protect it. Right? We want to expose it. What Cass did is a courageous thing. And that kind of courage sees results. I promise it. That's no different than standing in front of an AK-47 Cass. It's not. Because our family is fired more accurate shots than the cartel. Amen. Who's got a testimony? Look at all those hands! Look at those hands! Ray, come on up here. Come on, Ray. All oh, right. That's my cousin Ray. Ray. <laughs> we use the
4: mic? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I really wanted to go first, so I don't have to follow up a good message. But <laughs> Brandon and Cass already shot that down for me. so. <clears throat> I'm actually like the worst public speaker, and uh, you guys are my family, so hope you'll be patient with me. You, well, all right. uh, just wanted to share with you uh, observation of the Lord that we serve. Um, this weekend, I went on a mission trip to Mexico, and. Uh, um, Just uh, I just kept seeing opposition against going, like even before I went. Um, You know, I I actually didn't think I was gonna go, and uh, I prayed on it, and I felt like the Spirit led me to go, and uh, said I have no choice, I have to go, and I was just like, all right, I'll just be obedient. And uh, since the beginning of the year, uh, things kept coming up. Normally, on my own strength, I would think that. You know, it's inexpensive to go to Mexico, I can just do that. And uh, just things kept coming up. My transmission uh, broke down, I had to get it rebuilt. Um, then my car got flooded in, I had to get that fixed, and it's just, all these things kept happening over and over, and then the last month, uh, some unexpected charges came up, and I had to pay that. So it's like, you know, this is supposed to be easy, and now it's like, I'm crunching the numbers, and like, you know, sorry, God, I, I'm gonna try but. Probably I can't do it, you know. And I prayed about it, and he's like, You know, I don't care if you have to sell your car, you need to go. That's the right part. Yeah, and it's like, uh, Okay, so like, you know, I I crunched some numbers, I I really tried to save and all that, and uh, I was able to go, you know, thank the Lord. And uh, I was like, All right, now I'm going, you know, now what I don't even know what's gonna happen. you know, we're heading out there, heading in just a few minutes before we even get in, or a few minutes after we get in, uh, you know, the cartel stops us, and, you know, they have these AK-47s, and it was, like, this scary situation, it's like, you know, Lord, I'm I'm trying to go serve you, and I'm already getting, you know, another wall in front of me again, you know? it's like, I was, like, filled with fear, and, you know, I prayed, and I prayed for deliverance, and I prayed with expectancy, so, uh, few minutes after, we were we were waiting for like 10 minutes for them to do whatever they need to do, and like a few minutes after prayer, uh, I felt that fear begin to uh, be filled with faith, yeah. and uh, my fear started going away, and yeah. I was still like just anxious, what's going to happen, but you know, I knew that the Lord was going to get us out of there somehow, and uh, he did, he delivered us out of there, and uh, this was just another testimony, my personal testimony to me that, you know, the, the Lord here's your prayers. So, uh, you know, we head out there and uh, somehow I got assigned to be the translator. (laughs) My Spanish isn't really too good either. I was like,
1: it's better than ours. I was like,
4: I'm gonna try. And uh, I really thought I wasn't gonna do too well. And uh, I don't know if, you know, I guess the spirit filled me and I was just like translating away. Like it just started becoming so easy. And uh, just uh, I'm just noticing all these things every time we pray. Just pray with expectancy, and you'll see these things come to pass. Uh, God's hand isn't too short to reach any goal, to reach any any prayers that you might have. There's a, a little island out there, you know. Uh, they don't even have a church, and uh, you know the Lord sent Americans out there on boats all the way out to that island to to reach those people with His word. You know, anyone would think there's no way that The word's gonna get out there, you know, they're so far away, and the Lord doesn't see distance. He doesn't see any of those things. So, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm just reminded, uh, when Jesus, he goes around the towns, and he's, you know, healing the sick, and casting out demons, uh, people have faith. They don't just pray, they pray with faith. They pray expecting it to happen, and, and it happens, and he does it. And when he goes to his own hometown, it says that not a whole lot happens because people prayed but not with faith or they didn't believe. And uh it's easy for someone to just pray and be like, Oh God, do this and you know, let's see, hopefully it'll happen. And I think if you pray with expectancy, with faith, knowing that it will happen before it even comes to pass, I think that's when he really starts moving and makes it happen. And uh I don't know, I just I just encourage everyone when you pray, don't just let it be don't just let words come out. Pray in your heart expecting it. And uh, you'll see all your all God's promises come to pass. And this is just an observation I've noticed about the Lord that I serve. When you pray with expectancy, he fulfills his promises. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Ray, do you think uh, that... Their lives were more blessed or your life was more blessed. Who, who do you think left Mexico with the bigger blessing?
4: Uh, I think I was blessed more uh, I noticed here in America we have so many distractions you know so many other gods are lifted up and you know and when I went to Mexico in these, in these small villages, uh, they, you know people look at them and they think, "Oh, you have nothing, but that's the blessing. All they have is God and uh, that's all they have to hold on to. And uh, we just, like, have so many other things, we don't know what to do with it, you know. And uh, I went out there expecting, like, oh, these people need prayer, they need, you know, they need help. And it wasn't, that wasn't the case at all. They, they didn't need us to come out there and save them. I mean, it's good that we came out there and gave the word and, and blessed them with our love towards them with food and all that. But uh, a lot of these people are, you know, I felt very spirit-filled. Uh, there was a, a young lady I met out there. Actually, she says a holy but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she didn't have any title she wasn't rich she wasn't someone important in the neighborhood. she seemed so humble and uh, she gave me her testimony that you know she had a little girl and had, she had an eye infection um, she went to the doctor and they told her it's two thousand dollars for the surgery so you know she said she couldn't afford it obviously and she took her daughter to the church and they prayed for her daughter and about eight days later, they went out. She went back to the hospital, and they told her, uh, "There's no infection there. We don't see. We don't know what you're talking about." So this is just another example that she prayed in expectancy, and, and you know the Lord pulled through. And uh, so I saw, I saw so much. You know I told her, uh, you know, you might you might think that we're coming from you know, like this great place, and we have this title, and we're so big. I told her that, man, you know here on earth we might be big but in the kingdom of heaven you're much bigger than you know a lot of the people here Amen. you have a title in, in the kingdom of heaven Amen. so I asked her to pray for us you yeah. know we got on our knees and she prayed over us and uh, she, you know her prayers were very spirit-filled and very anointed you know it sounded like Eric was up to himself and <laughs> uh, gave you a run for your money actually so, oh, uh, yeah. so it, was, it was a big blessing Amen. for all of us
1: Y'all love Ray? Yeah. Thank you, Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, what's the most expensive thing you ever bought in your life? Uh, a house. A house. The house. It was. Uh, it was more than two hundred dollars. Yes. That's amazing. Anybody here spent more than two hundred dollars on something? Why would anybody balk at two hundred dollars for a mission trip? When we buy houses, cars, our meals in a week cost more than $200, and you leave with the kind of blessing that Ray was talking about. I mean, that is amazing. I want to run through some numbers for you real quick. Uh, together, the people on the trip raised $1,400. That's what we went into Mexico with, was $1,400. An outside sponsor at the last minute gave us another 200 We had $1,600 when we went to Mexico. We spent that in the first 12 hours. The people on the trip dug deep, raised another 340 or so dollars among the people on the trip while we were there who had already sacrificially given. We spent all of that in day two. By the end of day three, the church had gone almost $900 in the hole. And that's the expenses I can remember. Patricia and Jennifer will probably hit me for some more when they look at the receipts carefully. And you know what? It's all worth it. I don't ever want to hear from anybody in this church Ever, ever, ever I mean you're inviting yourself to never be involved In the most important part of our ministry Which is missions That you don't think $200 is worth it Or you've never paid to go on a missions trip You're not paying to go on missions trips You're learning what it is to sacrifice So that someone else can have benefit If you've never done it before That's to your absolute shame You should never say that out loud Instead You should stomp on your own toes, slap yourself in the face, go read the Bible, and then decide what the heart of God is. Now, I'm saying this publicly, but I want you to know, I'm talking about every person here. If those words come out of your mouth, you are self-condemning yourself. If you have said that this week, then I'm talking to you even more specifically. Can we all say amen to that? All right. So, praise God. Here's the good news. What we had was not enough, and yet God multiplied it, and it's... Always enough, isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. so we don't wait until we have all that we need, we take all that we have and trust that God will make it all that we have. All we need, praise God. Who has a testimony? Come on, Cody, run! Run, Cody, run! <laughs> <laughs> it's
5: pretty really big. Uh, um, I guess I don't, I mean, I have a testimony. I mean, go coincides. I mean, it was. It was awesome just to ride with Buddy, with Ray, with Jacob, and uh, it was real awesome. That's a testimony itself, getting to know these guys and having these men of God there scattered through to Louisiana, getting to know Ray. Which honestly, I told myself I didn't know he spoke Spanish before. Yeah. before he you got on the truck, I was like, oh, "Wow, Ray!" Ray right. so, uh, you know why we have
1: sleepers in our
2: church? Yeah, well, my son right. Alicia so.
1: teased us. They look like they speak Spanish, but they don't speak Spanish. <laughs> then we got, then we got Jacob. Who looks
2: like
1: he never saw a Spanish person
5: before <laughs> oh! he He's married one and speaks Spanish. Go <laughs> oh, ahead. Yeah, after I learned that, uh, play Mexican dog, He said, no, he didn't want uh-huh. to
0: do that. But, uh, <laughs>
5: <laughs> but uh, no, awesome. I mean, obviously, the testimony itself that, I mean, we got pulled over by the cartel and got worked it out. But uh, for me, it was the testimony was uh, I remember the night before we left, uh, the guys who kind of set a standard said, hey, we need to pray. let Let's set this. us set this up now. Like we need to start stepping our game up. It's something we've been wanting to do, but we actually haven't been doing in these areas. And uh, one thing God brought to me remembrance was praying for a man of Damascus. I wanted I'm praying God, God show me that man that's there, so I can help him. And uh, uh, praise God, I was just sitting here and I was like, brought me back to Acts 16. And um, really thinking back on it, uh, we, I mean, through all these different things, I'm sure y'all hear. But for me, what impacted my life most was uh, a man called Andreas. And or Andres or whatever his name or that's his name, but anyway. So, so we met him and we walked. And it was an awesome testimony. Uh, we're walking by and we see him and you can, I mean, you think he's digging. I mean, he's digging sewer. I mean, he has Ziploc bags over his hand. He's, he's, I mean, he's working and You can see. I mean, most people, I mean, they wouldn't. I mean, if you see Eric working on some septic or anything, I mean, his face is a little bit different. But, I mean, it's just <laughs> to, to, they don't understand that. Yeah. I, I got, I got sewer sprayed in my face with yeah. several. Yeah. But um, but for me, we see him there and having that man and just his per, just his presence. You can see there's something different about him. So we asked to speak with him and uh, just really, I mean, step. We sit there and say, Hey, well, I mean, through through God ordained, we saw he's spirit spirit filled. He loved Jesus. He could just see it all over him. And uh, uh, Buddy came up with the with the word and he, I confirmed it in my heart. He said, Hey, let's ask him if he wants to come with us. Ask him if he'll go and actually testify and uh, go throughout there because I mean, for us for me it's really on my heart is not the great white american but having these people and establishing them just as we are with with mario and have them be that hands and feet because when we come it's only once in, in so while but if we can establish someone like that that they can reach the whole neighborhood and uh for me it was awesome because that's something that i've been praying about and uh so we met with him and we were speaking with him and uh I'm sure jacob he was translating for us uh which i mean god god ordained all of our groups so we went out of the house to house and uh Came to one house. Uh, praise God, a guy—not praise God, but yeah, praise God. A guy got bitten by a spider, and uh, his whole hand just—I mean—looks like it was eating away. The flesh, his whole hand was swollen. And uh, really, when he was stepping back. you mean, whenever you go up to a house, they have a gate, and uh, you can—that's their front door. So he stepped there, and you can see he kind of. He opened the gate, but he was kind of stepping back. He didn't want to wants to get too close. So you know, we talked, and we're like, okay, well, obviously, you can see the the physical ailment. So we prayed for him and then all of a sudden his wife came by and uh, you can tell just from his wife's face she's like who are these white people and she just went around back and, <laughs> and came in uh she walked back and she was sitting at the screen door talking and uh through i mean through um people from port lavaca really gave some encouraging words and uh and ended up coming down uh, they uh we asked they invited us to her or we came into their house and prayed over these uh these things and really god showed me that their heart was hard as soil i mean it was hard soil it needed to be soft and uh you see, all around their, all around their house. I mean, you're talking about people that live in a dump house built out of pallets. But, I mean, they, I mean, they have flowers. They have all these things, and it's just little coffee cans and all this. And, uh, really, we came in there and we, God really, I mean, He told He, 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 got all their hugs hard soil and made it soft. And we came into their house and we started praying, and uh, really gave an awesome testimony because you can see this guy, he had tattoos all over himself. I mean looked like the cartel guy that pulled us over, but we came inside and really, you could see the dramatic change of not only just sitting there and, okay, yeah, let me pray with you, as most people do, and then, okay, yeah, you see it, but pushing in and wanting that more, and uh, for me, it was establishing that man of peace with with, um, Andreas I was there and really having him step in, and uh, for me, the testimony itself is going out there, it's not only just in Mexico, Mm -hmm. but finding that man of peace and having him be the hands and feet, and then you stepping back whenever God says you jump in and you're able to pray and be his hands and feet. But for me, that was the biggest blessing was not only to to hang out with Mario, to see his family, to go to the islands, but yet seeing God move outside of our boundaries and using just our resources and our little courage and have him establish it and having God work through all day and see a man that has tattooed up, you can see that he's been, he's had a hard life and yet see him cry, see him, the Holy Spirit, nothing else, no one take that, but have him break down and have him and his wife come together and have them reaffirm whatever that the, the connection. And for me, that was the biggest blessing. Amen. Amen. you all
1: understand, man, the peace? Jesus said when he sent out the 72 to go find mm-hmm. uh, uh, someone who would receive your greeting, receive your message. And if they would receive it, you stay in their house and work. We're always looking for one house that God can work in, one man. Because through that one family, you begin to reach the town. That's how that works. And God is faithful to run each of our little teams into a person that they could work through, work with. The difference between humanitarian work and missions work is humanitarian work creates dependence. It goes out and it dispenses food like like at the national parks, eating bears or something. But missions work goes... And it finds indigenous people whose lives will be completely changed for the gospel and makes them the special forces that goes and changes their whole landscape. This is what Jesus does. He does it with all of us. Amen? Amen. Amen.
5: Uh, just a little bit. I know whenever I went there, I um, asked y'all be praying. Uh, one major need in there is they they need Spanish Bibles. They need the real Bibles. They've been so flooded with, um, with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses that they come and they say, hey, we don't have the right translation, so I ask that, I think that a ministry that you can, if you feel the heart to have, just about even one Bible would change, but to have a Spanish Bible where it's actually the truth, because you can imagine if someone's going there, you can see it, but for him, Andres came not and said, hey, I just, I'll, you have a Bible, I, this, this version isn't right, and uh, I think that's a ministry in itself, if you can just, just one, I mean, it doesn't have to be expensive, $10, $2, Amen. whatever it is, and have that, so you, whenever next time you may not be able to go. But these people are hungry for the correct word, but they're being flooded with this. I mean, it's just with the word that is pulling a shade over their eyes. And they can see it, praise God. But for me, that that was a great need.
1: On the island, Ray spoke of, we had an opportunity to meet the mayor of the island who presented us with a ledger with every person on the island on it uh, as a prayer list. They want ministry. But the person who had gotten there before us, whenever they were, uh, was a Jehovah's Witness. They saw through that, and praise God, they did. But both kingdoms have their emissaries. They have that. Both kingdoms have their emissaries. We just need to make sure that the other kingdom is not more dedicated to the task than we are. Jacob, bring us a testimony. Amen. I uh, I wanted to say something that was good that Jacob did. Uh, It was late at night. I had not slept very much. I just found out that I had to present to 12 pastors, right? And they chose the subject for me. They wanted me to talk to the 12 pastors about the nations. Those 12 pastors are people that have made commitments to go to the nations and have people under them that they're teaching. The school, the setting, was a Bible school, uh, classrooms, notebooks, chalkboards. (coughs) I was laying in bed and I thought, oh, man. It sure would be great to have at least some of the notes from the, I like, just taught on the and in the nations, right? I thought that would be such a good message. And I couldn't remember how to spell my own name. Mm-hmm. And Jacob walked in, and I was thought he was playing solitaire on his phone during church. <laughs> <laughs> he had much better notes than I preached from. I preached from usually three or four scriptures and expand on that. He had nearly every word uh, on his phone. It's the first good use I've seen of a phone in the church. And I ended up preaching a little different message because that's what the Holy Ghost does. But Jacob did me a service there that gave me a couple more hours of sleep. And praise God, how precious is your sleep to you? Yeah. It was good to know that somebody in the congregation cared enough to write it down. You, you know why that was important? Because every person that I spoke to in that Bible college wrote down every word, came up for questions, came up for prayer, then prayed for me. Uh, they they saw value in it. Yes. We're the only people in the world that can be flooded with the treasures of the kingdom of heaven and it'd be so commonplace to us that we don't value it. They valued it. They, they, they wrote like <coughs> they were on fire.
6: That's actually something, a commitment I recently made, just because you told me not too long ago, you know, I was asking... How long does it, average, does it take on average for someone to get everything you, you have to give or that God has given you to give? And you told me about five years if they're very studious. And, you know, I've always been very studious, so I'm going to get it. And, and I want to get it even sooner because I, I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I want to go out and, and, and give it to other people. Anyway, Maybe. I really wanted to say a couple things. First, Cass, I want to thank you for your testimony. Um, you're the oldest, right? Just and, and I have two sisters. I'm the oldest as well. That was very encouraging for me. Um, very, they're very out there and very lost. So it gives me a lot of hope there. And then, Ray, too, your testimony is awesome, man. I just love the way... I, I don't know if you said it this way. You, you said you you didn't even really want to go to Mexico, right? Is that right? I mean, it wasn't even like a desire in your heart. That inspired me so much. It's just... I mean, pray about it anyway. That was like... I mean, that that, that, that encouraged me. It really corrected my whole attitude, you know, because... We don't, we don't have to necessarily even want to go. Uh, we need to just pray about it. But. The Lord will give you His design Amen. 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 Um, I've got a, a bit of a word. I'd, I'd ask you guys to pray Pray for me as, as we're speaking, because uh, I, I feel like it, it, God gave me a word. Uh, when we came back from the islands um, on Friday, um, yeah. just such a such a, a neat testimony, um, we, heard a, we heard a woman give a, a powerful testimony. And I I'd love to share that in a time. I want to get to my word, but I mean, it was a really neat testimony. Really, really, I just felt full of the Spirit once I heard her word. Once I heard what she had been through and what God had led her through, and how how He worked in her life, it was really powerful. So we came back, and we came into the compound, the the Bible study, or the Bible Institute. And as soon as we walked in, we just saw there was only not too many people. We expected like hundred or more. And we just it just kinda of felt like there was there was something pushing down like an impression like so something was 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 in there, you know, it was it was keeping it and Eric encouraged us, encouraged us to go and uh, go and reach out to the people, really, you know, pray and really, you know, not not try to set ourselves apart. Really mingle and get in there and really um, you know try to break through. And so we did that. And we dispersed and you know there was only Thirty people there, in, thirty, fifty, at most. And um, so we went in there, and I, I went and I saw. I saw two young ladies. They couldn't have been more than eighteen, um, and, and um, they were sisters. And, uh, and one of them had. Uh, they both had a baby in their hands, and uh, they were so cute. They were so cute, little like, you know, like little eight-month-old babies, and, and just beautiful. Uh, and they were twins, and so. Uh, I asked him which one, which one they belong to, and I, and I, asked, them if, I asked them if they were Indians, yeah, and and then I asked their names, and uh, that, that's what really—that's when the guy gave me the word. I was just like, wow. Um, he said, she said that her, their names are Israel and Ishmael, and I was like, whoa. And I started thinking about that. I started, <laughs> I started, wow. Like, I mean, there's this woman. She and, and you could tell on the. You Their faces were were just stone cold. They didn't have any joy. They didn't have any... I don't even know why they were there. Maybe they were just there for the food. Um, They weren't... Nobody really was connecting with with what was being said. Um, The pastor that was preaching was just... He was trying to dig himself out of a hole because we could just feel that there was something going on, something pulling it out. He was really trying to... He was was fighting up there, but still it was hard for people to connect. But yet I, I immediately felt a real connection there. And I just started thinking about it. And I was thinking about you know, my, my past and my experiences and what I've been through. And, uh, does anybody know what the most popular name in the United States is for babies is right now? For boys. Jacob. Jacob? It's Jacob. Yeah. And that's my name. <laughs> my name is Jacob. All right? I, I got it first. I got it before the popularity came about. <laughs> but I started thinking about that. I started thinking about, um, you know, what does my name mean? Um. Anybody know what Jacob means in the Bible? It's a planter and also trickster. Yeah, Uh, and I wanted to I wanted to get up there and share this message with those people because there's a word in Spanish that's called engañador, and it just means yeah trickster. It means means deceiver, and that's what Jacob was. He he was a deceiver. And and, and, you know, just as a side point, I think it's no wonder that it's the most popular name in the United States right now. (laughs) Got a lot of deception going on. uh, Got a lot of deception. Uh, In my personal past, I know that I I have been a deceiver. I have deceived others, and I have deceived myself. I have walked, um, I've I've said I was walking in the light, and yet I was walking in darkness. Uh, Especially before I got here, before I decided to take the the jump and and come here to Sugar Land, I was just walking in total deception. Um, I I deceived myself to think that I could could be in sin and yet serve the Lord as as a youth minister, and it, just, it was just wicked. I just couldn't believe I mean, now looking back, I can't believe how, how deceived I was. Um, and how I was just trying to deceive, deceive my wife to make her think she I was, I was a good man or I was walking right. Or deceive these people that I worked with at, at church, these, these kids. You know, and, and I said all the time. I said, you know, teenagers know. They look right through you. They can see right through you. So I always tried to use that as motivation to, 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 to live right. But I was deceived. So, um the beautiful thing is that Jacob in the Bible, he got a name change. He got a name change. It says that, then the man said, the angel, the angel of the Lord, or he, who, he was wrestling with, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And Israel means prince with God, prince of God, son of God. And, and, and that's what we all are if, we, if we've had our lives changed by the Lord. We've all, we are all princes with God. Uh, we've all been deceivers in the past. No matter what your name is, we've all been deceived, and we've all been deceivers. And uh, God has changed our name. Um, it says, it says, First, uh, Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. It says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. And I know, I know now that that's that's a continual process. He's continually recreating and um, re, um, just giving giving new meaning to to our names, to our to our value every day. He's, he's making us a new creation. And I think that's awesome. Amen. Amen. That's a good word. The
1: place where that happened to Jacob is called Peniel, Jacob of the Bible. This is what happens when a man is faced with the face of God. You know, one thing that I liked about this Jacob's testimony is it has a lamp in it. When you've really been touched by the Lord, you're not six foot five and bulletproof anymore. You actually know how weak you are, yeah. and how much of his strength it takes you uh, just to live. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Jay. <laughs> could, you, could you give us a testimony? Isn't <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. it great that we can call on people? If y'all don't know, Brand, uh, he's your new best friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. This family—they, um, I don't know what our connection is. With Louisiana. I've tried with all of my heart to get away from it. Uh, i just about piled up rocks between uh, the Sabine River uh, on on both sides to keep uh, a border between us. And uh, I keep falling in love with people from Louisiana. So it it keeps this this east-west relationship going on. And uh, you should get to know this family. We want to get behind them. The Lord's doing something kind of unique. They're not real sure what it is. I'm not real sure what it is. I know they're anointed. That's what I know. And uh, I know it's worth hearing what they have to say. He doesn't know that I'm going to do any of this. So uh, you just listen to what
7: he has to say. Amen. Well, it's, it's one thing to go in yourself because you're only responsible for yourself, but to take your family and your children. And... <laughs> After you've Googled Morse, To go in blind is ignorant, but to know what you're going in, um, we had some opposition, um, just light affliction now. Today I can say it's all light affliction. But going in, I had to, uh, we've been waiting four years, this is four years we've been waiting. Opportunities that were just out of grasp passed us by year after year, and then this one came, and the door was open, and the Lord said, it's this door. Well, sometimes when it is that door, the door will shut on your foot, but as long as you have it in the door jam, it it hasn't closed. And so we began to tell people where we were going once we actually knew the city, Um, and we began, people actually began to tell us, it's irresponsible. God doesn't call you to take your children out to harm's way. Yeah. And so, we had a lot of that going on, and then on Monday, we have a historic flood in Cairnboro. I get a phone call at about 11.30, and Tree says, you're probably worried about me, and I have no idea what she's talking about. She says, we have search and rescue going on in our neighborhood right now, because we've just gotten 16 inches of rain. You need a um So. so Went and talked to my boss. I said, I think I'm going to head home if I can get home. On I 10, heading east, I said, Lord, it's all yours. <laughs> it's all yours. It doesn't matter. We're going. It doesn't matter. Um, before we went in, the Lord said, You have to go in as a dead man first because then your life doesn't matter. And I said, Lord, help me to die before I go in. So no matter what happens, it doesn't matter. I'm going in as a dead man. Because life only comes after death. So we find out, and all this small tribulation is very important to the testimony. Because I saw God's fingerprints. I truly saw... There's coincidences and then there's God's fingerprint. Mm-hmm. I have some pictures of me and Brenton walking in ways high water trying to get to our home. We don't know if our home's underwater or not, but I had made the decision. It doesn't matter. I'm going. We get there and I see our house up on a hill. No water. But I didn't rejoice because we looked across the street and our neighbor had a water line about that high on their house. And it broke our heart. The very next day, Teresa was across the street helping them rip out carpet. The man has um, polio. He can't even move um, furniture. And the woman is in tears when we go over. She's so broken, neither of them can do anything. They're just looking at the water in their home. And um, it broke our hearts to leave them. Teresa said, I'm torn because... I know there's needs there but look across the street there's needs. So we packed up and we left anyway and we got here. So you know the term hell or high water? Well we experienced both of them. Both of them. So we get here and we're still we're kind of numb. We know we're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be you know, you're drained and exhausted when you come back. Well, we drain drained and exhausted. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> like, like the walking dead. We're yeah. dead. And so we get here. And um, you've already heard we had a welcoming committee. Mm-hmm. Greet us. Yeah, we did the first 10 minutes. First 10 minutes. And I said, Well, you know, Lord, I told you. You told me to come in here as a dead man. I'm just going to pray. And while we were praying in the spirit, I heard the spirit say, a safe way of passage. That's the only English I was speaking, a safe way of passage, a safe way of passage, a safe way of passage. And then they said, pull over. And um, Eric's Spanish is not that great, so he thought they said, just keep on going.
0: (laughs) So he drove off. (laughs)
7: receive life because death uh, life only comes after death and it brings true meaning when Paul said I die daily. Can you imagine the life you would live if you died daily instead of struggling and working so hard to provide a life where you don't have any inconveniences. i I have a wonderful wife, she is a, um, a huge support. Amen. You cannot walk together unless two agree. That's right. Um, we get to um, the AIM facility, I believe it was. One of the places may have not been AIM. And there's another team from Port Lavaca. I don't know if that's how you say it. it but is. We're greeting is. We're greeting them and there's a woman from Port Lavaca and she um, starts asking us about the incident that we just had. I said, yeah, I said, you know, we've, it's been non-stop for the last three days. Um, I said, we're from Lafayette. We don't say Karen Crow because no one knows where Karen Crow is, so we say Lafayette. And she says, do you know anybody from Karen Crow? <laughs> I said, yes. We live in Karen Crow. I say Lafayette because no one knows where Karen Crow is. She says, I have a niece in Karen Crow. Her name is Dion Fontenot. I said, at first, I said, no. I said, we gave them the key to our house to stay in our house, wow. <laughs> to come here. Wow. They're in our home. My wife was there yesterday helping them pull carpet out. And I saw the fingerprint of God. <laughs> and so, no matter what anybody calls us crazy or whatever. We have a life because we've experienced a death you can only do by doing the will of God. Amen. Amen. I used to think the enemy was bills and stress, time management. But to be in the, have the enemy in front of you, I told Jehoshaphat to take their mighty men and put them out there. And they went out there as dead men. They were dead already. The word had come that they were dead. They're coming in, they're going to kill you, your women, and your children. You're all dead. And they went out there as dead men, but obedient to God to, to worship. And God gave them their life. And it's, it's a requirement for missions. If you haven't gone yet, and you don't have a desire to go, you may not have died yet.
1: That's the truth.
7: Because when you die and you go, you will receive life. Yes. The life that God has for us. And um, that's pretty much it. Um, that's a good word.
1: Faith always borders on your responsibility. Where would there be any level of trust if you were just doing a responsible thing? if you're just doing the responsible thing, who are you trusting in? Yeah. Yeah. This this is uh, what the church that is completely defeated already says to make themselves feel better about lives that look absolutely nothing like the life that Jesus lived. And they wear bracelets that say, what would Jesus do? But they will not do anything that Jesus did. (coughs) Instead, they define their Christianity as we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't curse. Well, good for you, neither do Mormons. Neither do Jehovah's Witness. Neither do a lot of Buddhists that I know. Neither do a lot of Hindus that I know. You have managed to wrap yourself in a religion that is no different than any of the rest of the world. It just has better names. The faith will always stretch you to the nth degree. That's what trust is. I need to squeeze out one or two more testimonies here. And I don't think we can let you come to Louisiana or from Louisiana repeatedly, buddy, without getting that lead. Come, on, come on now. By the way, while well, Buddy's on the way up here and probably grasping for exactly what he would like to say, I need to tell you something. When the cartel pulled us over, I have a, a, a serious policy I don't pull over. Um, we've been pulled over twice. Once the roadblock was already set. You don't have a choice. The ditch was very deep and the car I was in, there would have been no choice. In this case, we thought somebody was just passing us. We're getting wiser. It's a war zone and we're getting wiser. They were not passing us. It was a roadblock in motion. After about ten minutes of struggle with a man with an AK-47, my eyes met buddies in our mirror. Right? This is why we say missions are so important that you're unified, so important that there is not a rebellious attitude, so important that there's not hidden sand in your life. Because when our eyes met in the mirror, I knew that he understood. I had slipped into reverse, but the man standing in front of me with an AK-47 didn't know that I'd slipped into reverse. My wheels were turned all the way to the right. He believed that I might try to go around his vehicle to the right, he which was a construction bed that the rental car I was in, illegally in Mexico, would <laughs> never make it through. So that's where his focus was. But what I was actually doing was backing up. He didn't think I could do that because Buddy's bumper was almost touching mine. There was no room to back up. But Buddy was in step with me, and we were both in step with the spirit. And Buddy was also backing up ever so slowly. This was creating the nose of the vehicle swinging ever so slightly to the left every time the man was not looking. Brent was praying in yet a third vehicle in the back for a safe passageway. And like the Israelites went through the Red Sea, we went through a little ditch and around the corner and over some concrete, and uh, the cartel's cars were facing a direction that it would take them a long time to turn around, and it provided a window for escape. Uh, this is so important To Stan's head right? uh, People could minimize it Or maximize it Either way that they go They could glorify it uh, You know, We could have Russell Crowe show up and uh, he, he could have pulled out a sword We could have with our great faith Commanded bullets to drop Or you could minimize Oh that's no big deal They didn't want to hurt you anyway I would just like to submit to you That anytime you have your mother And your children in the car with you or your wife and your children and a man is standing there with an AK-47 commanding you to do something and you look at him and say of hey, Jesus, no. Uh, that is a perilous position. But it's a fantastic position if you've died in Christ. Because nothing's going to happen to you that he hasn't ordained. And if he's ordained it, then it's for his glory. If you've never been in a position like that, but you have these little churchy sayings like, I've lost my life in Christ. You might not know what they need. But having been in those positions over and over, you begin to get a good sense of it. This life really does not belong to me at all. If I give Michael $20, I've given it to Michael. Does Michael have a chance to spend that any way he wants? Any way that he wants because it was a gift to Michael. I gave my life to Jesus. He gets to spend it any way that he wants. Is that true only on a mission field? Or is that supposed to be true in your workplace tomorrow? Does he have the right to spend your life any way you want? Are you saying, I love you, Lord, but I also want to sleep with her. I love you, Lord, but I'm going to cheat on my taxes. I love you, Lord, but I'm ashamed to mention you in front of anybody else. I love you, Lord, as long as it doesn't affect my life in any way. Because I just want to tell you, you go to hell like that, no matter what you believe, no matter what you've contorted the Word of God into, that is deception. That's what deception is. If you are living for the chance to spend your life in Jesus' service, that's what salvation looks like. You read the book of 1 John. He cut through all of the... Are we recording this? Well, we can edit it. He cut through all the stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of the gutty stuff. Y'all are from Louisiana, all although the boo-boo dee.
0: <laughs> he said,
1: He said in 1 John that if you love the world, you're an enemy of God. He said, if you obey the commands of God, then you love God. He said that. He said, that's how we know the difference between sons of God and sons of the world. You can sit in church and lie. You can lie to your family, lie to your friends. Jacob talked about deception earlier. You can walk in deception and you will walk right into hell, right? Or you can get the gut-wrenching truth of the gospel that your life doesn't belong to you and that if it doesn't show up in your life daily, then your life still belongs to you. You can get that gut-wrenching truth, wrestle with it and decide what to do with it. You'll walk with a lamp but powered by God for the rest of your life. Amen. For the rest of your life. I feel, I feel led by the Spirit to tell you that today. I really do. You, you cannot continue... To love the world And think that you're a part of the kingdom You're a liar And are not practicing the truth Now Most people don't like to be called a liar So what that does is It either creates a change in your behavior Or it will create a change in your location You'll go somewhere where they'll tell you You are a champion They will reward you They will pad your seat And ask you to pad their place I don't want your money I want your lives Because Jesus wants your life And when he has your life He'll have your money too Right? It all belongs to Him. But as long as it's this you tip me and I compliment you, that's deception. And I will not participate in it. So if you don't like those words, you're not going to like me. But you also don't like Jesus. And let's just be honest about that up front. Too many people say, I love the Lord, but... There's no but here. You either love the Lord, your life belongs to Him, and you do not want to sin. Right? I remember hearing this kind of word and I was squirming in church because I was sitting next to somebody I was in sin. When I realized that it wasn't the man, it was God himself telling me I was a liar, My life changed. Isn't that great? Yeah. I'm glad Buddy is born again. Yeah. I'm glad his wife loves the Lord. I'm glad little Julia loves the Lord. He's been thoroughly changed. In fact, since he's been in the kingdom, I watched him change more and more. I only see Buddy in snapshots. Sometimes a year in between. Lately more than that because God's blessing us both to see each other continually progressing towards the
0: kingdom.
1: We can tolerate that you're not where you should be, but we
8: cannot tolerate that you are staying there purposely. Amen. Come on, Buddy, give us a testimony. Thank you. Um, I must say for the last four or five days, I've been on a uh, wave, been riding a wave, so to speak, of the, uh, the Holy Spirit, the anointing. And it's been great. And um, before I leave today, I would like for you guys to pray over me because I hope this wave continues. Because next Saturday, I'm going on a, another mission trip to uh, Honduras for seven days. Amen. So praise the Lord. He's opened up this opportunity this year for me to be on the mission field. And this was the first mission trip that I did. And I must say it was a uh, honor to serve with all of you guys out there. And uh, the pleasure to ride with Cody and Jacob and Ray. And uh, just to get to know those guys a little bit more. And it was awesome. Um, I, I don't want to dwell on, you know, the incident that happened right as we crossed the border, but it was, it was uh, definitely impacted my life because as soon as we got across and that incident happened, I found out very quickly about the power of the God that we serve, <laughs> about, you know, the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings that rules over us. And uh, it didn't take me long to realize what kind of power he had uh, to help us through that situation. And after we talked about it and hearing Brent say, you know, he was praying for a clear passage and you just heard uh, Pastor Eric explain how he backed up and we were in in one with that. But I couldn't help for a small second there that when Eric took off, okay, you had an F-150 blocking the road this way and an 18-wheeler sitting right here. And Eric was this way. And when he took off around there, I thought to myself, wow. This is going to be interesting because there was nothing stopping this guy from just dropping it and driving, it into the, you know, 18-wheeler. And here I would be stuck. Matt was right behind me. I'm thinking, well, now we'll have a situation. And that kid <laughs> sat behind the steering wheel. And I truly believe that the Lord had His hand on my steering wheel to, to, to bring us to the right place, right at the right time. And that, you know, He had His hand on His steering wheel as well to block Him from touching it. I believe that because too. as soon as we went through. Matt was right behind us, and we took off, and those guys didn't chase us. So, you know, I don't want to mm-hmm. dwell on that situation to give glory to the enemy, but glory to God because of what he did for us. Right. Amen. So that was, that was a great way to start off our mission trip. You know, I thought, wow, right. thank you, Jesus. We're already here, and things are happening. It was so the first thing we saw, first thing we and, saw the and, the thing and the last thing we saw. Exactly right. until we ran into him again on the way out, but now,
1: now we, kind of, we kind of know how this works. Yeah. You can't hurt us. Put your
8: guns away. It's not going right. to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's good that we brought this, this little story and this testimony forth for all of you to hear because I don't want that to encourage anybody from going down the mission field, whether it's to uh, Mexico, Matamoros, or anywhere else that the Lord has called you to. You know, Cody told me he, he has been a calling to go to Tanzania. Is that right? So uh, praise the Lord. You know, we go to these areas that we have no clue about. But that's okay, because as long as we have the Lord in our heart, and He's reigning over us, we know we'll be protected wherever we go. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So as we finish up that day of uh, excitement, we had the opportunity to all be together at the AIM facility and worship the Lord. And uh, at that moment, I did. I uh, worshiped Him, Thank you for the day, and uh, it, it was uh, very, very impacting on my heart. You know, a, you know, it's one thing to say you've been called to the mission field, or you want to be a a loyal and faithful servant to the Lord. But uh, as soon as you get there in 10 minutes an activity happens like that, it really puts things in perspective. Like Brent was saying, you do need to die to yourself before you even get there. So that way when you're there, you live for God. And uh, he put this scripture on my heart, uh, Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34:11, And it says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered, where they are scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. And uh, just for that quick day, that's kind of what I felt. I was like, wow, I'm someplace that I don't know, someplace I don't belong, I guess. And, uh, you know, we did have darkness, but the Lord did take us all together as sheep And uh, he protected us and looked over us, and he gave us a way out. And so this particular scripture stayed on me for the whole time, uh, for the next two or three days while we were there. And so on the last day, we were able to go into uh, the invasion colonial and uh, go door-to-door and do some uh, witnessing and some ministering to these people. And we had the young guy in our group. uh, I had Cody, and uh, Jacob was with us. He was our translator, which, praise God, that... You know, I got to ride down with these guys. And it was such a blessing that Cody showed me the way. He told me things, enlightened me on what to expect. And then I had two translators in my back seat, so I was thinking, man, I'm set. I'm good to go. (laughs) I mean, I'm there. What more could I ask for, you know? Well, um, anyway, we go down one of the streets, and uh, as the Lord would direct our paths the whole weekend, he brings us to someone's home that allows us to come in to pray for their three-month-old baby who had um, a breathing problem, and they didn't know why, but they'd been having it for a month, and they wanted us to pray over the baby. Well, as we walk up to the door, like Cody said, these people live in a house that's made of pallets and just makeshift put-together homes, and I'm sure you all see plenty of pictures of them, but this guy's home was decorated on the front door, extremely beautiful, and he had a scripture on it, and it was uh, Psalms 23.1. And uh, I'm sure most of you know it, but I didn't I didn't know it was Psalms. And uh, anyway. He didn't know it was Psalms because it says Solomon. Yeah, I thought it was Solomon
0: 23.1. <laughs>
8: I told that to Eric and he said, oh, what did you say it was? Well, the problem
1: is there is no no Song of Psalms 23.1. So I knew it wasn't. And then we thought maybe it was uh, uh, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel. Uh, that's a whole
8: different scripture. <laughs> it definitely did not pertain. But Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. And I thought, wow, that's the same thing that he put on my heart. And here we walk up to the door that he allows us to come into these people's home to pray for their child. And that's what he has on his door. And, um, you know, I saw that and I took it as I know the Lord is my Lord and he's my shepherd but I could go to a third world country and serve these people and he's also their Lord. Amen. He's also their shepherd. Amen. So we could be scattered all over whichever country it is, whether it's Tanzania, Israel, or uh, Matamoros, Mexico, and we're all his children. You know, None of us are better than anyone and uh, I definitely will second the opinion that all these other guys had that I came back probably more blessed than when I blessed the people I went to see. Amen. And so uh, I took a lot from that. And uh, I just know that continuing to be a faithful and loyal servant of the Lord, you can never go wrong right? Amen. because He's always with you. Amen. And uh, even this morning, I got another confirmation so to speak of that. On the way to church, we stop and we get gas. And I go ahead and I put my card in. Kim is next to me at the other pump. And uh, it says, Invalid Loyalty. Right. And I, <laughs> I smiled. I've never seen that on the pump before, but I thought to myself, Huh. Isn't that funny? So they, they don't know who they're showing it to because I'm on a wave right now. Invalid loyalty? My loyalty is 100% good to go. So case not, I said, you know, I'm not worried about that the least bit. So I got it to work, and Kim was on the other side. Hey, hey, my, my car's not working. Uh, what's going on? What's going on? And I just smiled. I said, hold on. I'm coming. Sure enough, got it to work as well. So, sure <laughs> Praise God. Uh, you know, if we continue to be loyal, faithful servants of the Lord, He will always take care of us and protect us. Amen. So, Amen. so Mom, you did raise your hand.
1: Uh, <laughs>
9: Like any of those guys or anything, but all I can do is say that I she want to can give. She smacked you like nobody. Else. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all God. have no idea.
0: <laughs>
9: I just want to give God the glory for everything that happened on the trip. It was an amazing trip. It was wonderful. And I'm thankful that, and I'm not glorifying the guys with the AK-47 or anything like that, but I want to give God the glory because he showed us how much he wanted us to go in and do his work. He freed us from people that probably not a lot of people get freed from. Not once, not twice, but three times. The last time we were in Mexico, we got pulled over, and it was dark and a lot of people didn't know what was going on because you didn't see the AK-7 all over the place. Well, this time you did. It was right in front of the windshield going back and forth, and the guy was very irate, very agitated, but there was a total shalom in the car, total peace. Larissa gets her Bible out, starts reading, Judah's praying, Gabriel's praying, I'm praying, and, you know, everybody's just, hmm. How is this going to work out? It was total peace. Somebody asked me when I came in, were you scared? No, that's weird. I was not scared. I was not scared. We all knew that we were supposed to do the work of the Lord, that we were supposed to be his hands and feet in Matamoros, to go to those people, to help those people. And those people help us more than we help them. Amen. They are a blessing to us. When we went to the Colonial, Ray and Judah, they walked right up, spoke with authority. I mean, I was just blown away. Is this my grandson? Is this, is this a guy I just met that knows exactly what he's doing? It was a blessing. We met spirit-filled people one right after another. They had absolutely nothing, but yet they had everything. They were happy. They were full of joy. (laughs) The trip, going out there, is worth more than any shopping trip you can go on, any amount of money that you can spend buying things and gathering things. These people had nothing, but there we were. All of them came from the colonial and gathered to hear the people from America speak. But the funny thing is after the speaking was over and the singing was over, we all gathered in a circle because they wanted us to so they could pray for us. They all gathered around us. Probably 150, 200 people holding hands, holding up to Jesus, praying over the Americans that came to be with them that were friends of theirs. And we do feel like we are friends of theirs. They're not below us. And when I saw Ray and Judah get down on their knees in the middle of a dirt road to show these people that, you know, they appreciated them praying for us I was just I was amazed at these two guys I was just so happy that I was with them and everybody on the trip was great Everybody worked together. Nobody freaked out because of the cartel or anything or the soldiers running around with their guns. Everybody was very calm, very peaceful. I mean, it's a great group to be with on a mission trip. Amen. And I just thank Jesus that he let me go, and I pray that he lets me go many more. I would turn around and go back tomorrow. Yeah. I love you yeah.
1: So I'm going to ask Michael Hutchinson to come up here. And while Michael's walking up here, I, I want to tell you something. Um, you're getting a little bits and details of this. And um, I, I don't know. We'll probably talk about these stories for a long time. And that's because the shepherds of Israel wrote the events of their lives, the major ones on their staffs. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's not a wooden stick that comforted you. The testimony of God comforted you what he delivered you from. And it occurred to me that when I told this man no, and mom's right, he was irate. It depends on how far away you were as to what exactly you could tell. But uh, all I can say is the devil's not used to being told no.
0: He's
1: not. What he usually finds is people who will cave and cower. Because most of the time you want to do whatever you're being asked to do anyway. You understand how temptation works. I couldn't communicate very well, so Larissa handed me her Bible, and I shoved it in his face and said, Pastor, I'm going. He said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what you're saying, right? And I said, Iglesia, I'm going. He Walked away for a second and came back with his Bible.
8: <laughs> wow.
1: It was probably in the truck that he had stolen. It had a woman's name on it, and it was pink. It didn't go with his AK-47. And on the inside, not on the outside, because it was a very tense situation, and I'm a normal man. I'm thinking about all the things men. we, We need to stop watching Rambo movies. I'm thinking about all those things, but a little smile happened in my spirit somewhere inside my chest. I've met devils just like you before. They quote the word too. I've met a hundred pastors just like you. They use the word of God like you're using your AK-47, and you are going to let us go because this is the real gospel. I want to tell you that the degree to which you were resisted often points to the level of importance of your mission. Second Corinthians, Second Timothy. 3.12 says very clearly anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Doesn't say might be. It says will be. Maybe the level of comfort in your life is a testimony to just how ineffective your life is. Because the more adversity you fight through, the more the devil sees you as a threat. And the neat thing about our God is he will take that adversity and he just uses Train you. Genesis 49 says that Judah is like a lion's cub returning from the prey. What a strange thing. But a lion will take an animal that is injured, go in front of its children, its little cubs, and let them practice on it. Yeah. And the way that they practice is they work in taking it down, they work in that death grid. <coughs> and when they finally get it, if you've ever watched those same nature shows I've seen, They prance with serious pride. You know, look at me. Look what I did. Our king is training us. And while that may seem impressive, what happened, I'm just going to assure you it's it's the first step in the run of many. It's a faith-building exercise. Uh, I know what it is to be thrown in a detention center with my children. have my vehicles torn apart and searched, and you're wondering what they want to search next. And you pray that your children know what it is to have guns pointed at me in a lot of foreign lands. These are faith-building exercises. I'm not going to preach what I wanted to preach today, because I think you guys preached pretty well, and whatever is on Michael's heart is going to take us the rest of the way. But when you come back Wednesday, I'm going to do something that pastors don't do. I'm going to begin a series. Pastors do series all the time, but they don't do them Wednesday and Sunday, because they know good and well most of your church is not going to show up Wednesday. They do them Sunday to Sunday. I'm going to begin a series, and I'm going to say, if you want to learn what the God of Israel is teaching, if you want to learn what the anointed uh, Spirit of the Lord is speaking through the ministry that you say you're dedicated to, then you'll come on Wednesdays and Sundays, if you won't miss anything in the series. If that's important to you, then our series is going to have to do with three arenas of battle. The first is the flesh, the second is the world, and the third is Satan. I'm going to teach you how this works so that you can walk in victory. I'm going to teach you what the Lord has taught me over the last 20 years. And if you don't see it in my life, then don't imitate it. But if you do see it in my life, then and the other leaders of this church, then assume that God brought you here because He wants you to follow the pattern that you're being entrusted with. And if your life doesn't match up anywhere with the pattern, then you need to ask yourself, what am I doing here? Is my life the problem, or is the whole ministry off track? Some... Will never go to the nations. That's okay. I understand that. You should wrestle with the decision. You should all be considering and doing short term missions. You should. Some will never go live permanently Some else, but you should be doing at least some short term missions. When you are not doing it, when you cannot go, you should be paid for it. You should. I'm just, this is the brass tax. The Kingville takes money to be advanced. And don't you worry. If you don't do it, someone else will. But it will be to your loss. If you can't go, then you can pay. If you cannot go or pay because you have dedicated so much of your money to the kingdom and other places that you simply just don't have at this moment and you need God to bring it to you, then you should pray. But I want you to understand that if you are not going and you're not paying, the Lord owns your time. He owns it. Don't tell me that 15 minutes a day in prayer is financing a mission stream somewhere. Right? Because you get paid $8.25 an hour to flip a hamburger. How many hours would it take to finance a mission stream? See, we're either going to dig in in our spiritual life in prayer, we're going to dig in in our commitment uh, financially, or we're going to dig in with skin in the game and go but we all have to participate in some way because God only blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. That's the only reason. Otherwise, you've made the gospel of the living God a social club. And we're not going to do that here. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. Michael, whatever is on your heart, I trust you, and I'm going to yield the service to you. I'm going to stay here with I don't
0: like Raymond, see the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Thank you, sir. Pretty <laughs> and sitting on stools. <laughs> Raymond, did he call me Raymond? Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I get
10: shaved this morning. <laughs> so, uh, one thing working out with uh, Pastor Eric I learned was... Um, Well, I'll start here. Uh, Devin and I, my oldest son, Devin, uh, will go work out. And what he loves to do is he'll get under the bench and bench press and he wants to throw him up as fast as he can, right? And so what I've learned learned by working out with Pastor Eric was that um, uh, you gain just as much by pushing the weight up as you do down. So there's, uh, I don't know what you call it, but the resistance um, uh, gains strength just as much as uh, pushing the weight away from. And so when um, Pastor Eric's talking about resistance, it's funny that he said that because uh, I didn't go on the mission trip. And the, re- the reason uh, I wanted to uh, add something to this was because uh, I feel like to balance all the <laughs> testimonies here, um, uh, just because you didn't go on the mission trip don't mean you don't have a testimony. Mm-hmm. I got well. one, and I want to share it. Amen. Um, and my testimony... Um, uh, has to do with a lot of things of what he said. And that's why I know uh, the Spirit is in line with all of us, whether we're in Mexico or whether we're here. Um, that was the very word that God was speaking to me um, while y'all were there, with resistance. And I go, okay, so he's birthing a word in me. Once we go study the word for it, I'm like, okay. But, uh, but I can see it. So we're talking about uh, resistance, which uh, uh, in the kingdom, uh, there's always resistance. Uh, if you're in the will of the Lord, there's going to be resistance. Um, well, on the other hand of that, uh, on the other side of that, resistance, um, uh, you have to fight the resistance uh, on the other end, The flesh tells you uh, to fight the resistance of all the things like if something's going bad, you know, you feel like uh, that I'm not in the will of the Lord because all of this resistance. That's the flesh. When the kingdom resistance is proof. And so, um, resistance um, is just it, um, stirring around, me. so I want to share a little bit on that. Amen. Yeah. Sure. So we're um, so the the vision of the church: one person, uh, one family, one nation at a time. Amen. If this is true, and this is God's word, then that means some are gonna some are gonna stay, and some are gonna go. That right? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, well, what was happening to me? My testimony was as uh, as I'm sitting in town uh, doing my normal routine of going to work uh, and things, and then I get a uh, and I get a text to understand what's happening in Mexico. Um, it's like somebody just slapped me in the face because somebody there somebody is messing with my family. I hear, okay, so we got these guns being pointed at him and things like that, and resistance, we understand that. But in the words of uh, uh, Pastor Matt, hell No. Uh-huh. Ladies will not prevail, hell no. If you're from Louisiana, it goes, hell no. Yeah, and, so, and so I get the text while I'm working, going, uh, you know, just on the road working each day. And uh, and, and I get this stirring in my heart. And you, you ever, uh, when we were younger, it was like uh, you get behind somebody and they say, you know, hold me back, hold me back. hold me back. hold me back. Hold me back, hold me back, hold me back. You know what I mean? Hold me back. I you know? better hold me back. So I get this attitude like you better hold me back. You know? Somebody somebody's working on my family. And uh I get a give me that fancy word you had, Pastor. You're that holy Oh righteous indignation. Righteous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's how we say a Christian got ticked off. I'm getting ticked off, right? So I'm getting like stirred up in the spirit because somebody and, and the reason was is um Why was I stirred up in the Spirit? It was because, in a sense, I was sleeping. There was a sleep in me. You know, I had backed off, and I backed off of prayer. And we're supposed to pray and never give up. Pray and never give up. Pray without ceasing. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us. Not in a religious aspect, but it becomes your very nature. Amen. You become a a natural prayer just every day. I I always uh, um, tell my wife and... Um, anybody else that'll listen, if you'll pray every time you worry, you'll be constantly praying. You'll be constantly praying because your flesh wants to worry all the time. Put a prayer in its place and you would have fulfilled the will of the Lord for your life Amen. in prayer.
0: Good
10: Lord. And so uh, and so, what the Lord would bring me to while, while everybody was in uh, Mexico was Ezekiel. <clears throat> in Ezekiel 1, he says, in the 13th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles... By the uh, Kibar River, the heavens were opened up and I saw a vision from God. Okay, stop right there. If God spoke to you, showed up to you, or in any, any way and fashion spoke to your heart, would you listen? Yes. Okay, would you listen like better than you would listen to your wife or husband or friend? <laughs> yes. Okay, would you take it a little seriously?
0: Yes.
10: Okay. Well, in, uh, chapter 2 he says, uh, uh, he said to me, that should perk your ears. Okay, he's about to speak to me. The God of all heaven and all the universe is going to speak to you personally, like heaven knows your name. He says to me, son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. Uh, as he spoke, the Spirit came into me and, I, uh, and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. Wow. So first off, God speaks to us. And what does he do? The very first thing, uh, because if you come before a righteous man, he's going to be on his face before the Lord. He picks him up. And he says, stand up. Stand up and be filled with me and listen. And when I speak, do it. That's a simple, simple formula. Look in here in chapter 10. And he said to me, the specific words, Son of man, listen carefully and take heart. All the words I speak to you, go now to your countrymen in exile and speak to them. Say to them, "This is what the Sovereign Lord says." Whether they listen to me or not, whether they fail to listen or listen, that's not for you to worry about. You're not looking for um, what is. It? You're not looking for what's coming back. You simply put the word out there. You do because God told you to. You say because God told you to say, and you leave it at that. Amen. Amen. If not, then you'll be uh, basing everything off of your performance, and you missed it. Yeah. Here it is again. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound. This, is, this keeps going over and over through the Scripture. And the Spirit lifted me up, and the Spirit lifted me up, and He stood me up and spoke to me. And He put His Spirit in me, and it stood me up. May the glory of the Lord be praised in His dwelling place. The sound of the wings of the living creatures brushing against each other and the sound of the wheels behind them, a loud rumbling sound, the spirit lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness and in the anger of my spirit. I read that because I wanted to make sure that the word lines up with what's going on in me. So if the word lines up with the spirit, then there's the power, amen? Amen. With the, with the strong hand of the Lord upon me, I came to the exiles who lived at Tel-Abeb near the Kabar River and there where they were living. And I sat uh, with them for seven days overwhelmed. So God put the spirit in them and he become overwhelmed by his people that were in, in exile. So it was like I was saying, well, some would stay and some would go. At the end of the seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. And this was what God was speaking to me as uh, my brothers and sisters were away on the mission field where the uh, where the danger greatly increases. And so what does the watchman do? What do the watchmen do? They watch them go out. They watch them come in. They guard. And how do they guard? And if we're, if it, this is, um, if we're watchmen, which the the word clearly speaks to us uh, that we are, then what is our job here? What do we do as others go? Do we pray without giving up? Do we intercede? I mean, who are you? If heaven knows your name, He's going to speak directly to you. I was alone in my truck, alone in my truck doing my uh, normal thing, and to be honest with you, not even quote unquote in the spirit. Just caught up in my daily, everyday, everyday actions, doing the what, doing work of my hands that God blessed me with. And He interrupts my day because He's got that priority. He interrupts my day and He says, "Hold on." <laughs> yeah, He's hold on. You know, nobody had to uh, break out a guitar. Nobody had to uh, start praying and prophesying in tongues or anything else. The Lord just drops something on me and says pray pray and matter of fact why aren't you praying yet and this is what he tells me why aren't you praying yet i did not tell you to pray and not give up did not tell you to pray without ceasing if you put in the work for me you did not go to mexico but that doesn't mean you got a day off amen amen that's a good word huh? so we're pressing on solid what do i get i get an attitude yeah normally i thought of matt because if you ever see matt you know, sickness comes on his family or something like that, he's going to get a holy indignation. Right? He, I mean,
0: he, I just quoted him.
10: And so I, at that moment, I got a revelation. I understood him. I said, oh, I got you. I got you. And, uh, and so I got a holy anger. Holy anger like, no. No. The mission will be completed. The mission will, will be completed in this way. Our people will go. Will they receive suffering? Yeah. That's part of it. Will the people get fed, clothed, prayed for, Heal. and healed? Everything. Yes. And will the hearts of the people that went get touched? Yes. Will they get changed? Yes. Check. Job done. Will they get back on time? Yes. This is what the Lord is speaking to me. And so, uh, and so what rises up in me is... Uh, well, we're gonna see it done, and my job as a watchman on the wall is to pray and to pray and not give up, and not only to pray but to believe, not waywardly, not anything else. I mean. <laughs> so while y'all are gone, somebody gave me a um, somebody gave me a, uh, a little pit bull. <laughs> a dog. Yeah, give me a dog. Sweet dog. He thinks he's a Labrador. <laughs> All right. Here's what happens. So Derek and I, we we'll would take him to the park, we'll take him to Oyster Creek, and I love this. So you're walking, uh, you're walking the dog, and everybody's like, "Oh, cute!" And they get a little closer, and they say, "Oh, it's a pit bull." Pew, and they're gone. You know? <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, so you know we got this problem, <laughs> problem. Okay, what if the what if the pit bull had no teeth?" What if they opened his mouth and he had no teeth? Then would they stay? I mean, you know? Is that us? Do we walk? Do we walk among, um, among these people? And are they intimidated? Do they know, oh, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. Does they, do we walk among the enemy? Or do we walk without teeth? Yeah. That's what happens. Amen. So if we're watchmen on the wall and we, and we cease to, uh, to pray if we fall asleep like the scripture says. The watchman on a wall that falls asleep. then what do we become? What is it? I love this scripture in a sense for a reason. Here's what we become. Isaiah 56, nine says, uh, come all you beasts of the field, come and devour all you beasts of the forest. Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. They all are mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. They are all dogs with mighty appetites. They never have enough. They are shepherds who lack understanding. They all turn to their own way. Each seek his own gain. Come each each one cries, let me get wine. Let us drink our fill of beer and tomorrow will be like today, or even better. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. Wow. This is what we become. Wow. Today we choose our our way. (laughs) If you couldn't go, you see the people who come back, and you see it. You see it because they gave more than we did, they got a little more spirit, a little more infilling than we did. You see it. And we get encouraged by it. Right? Some are pouring out and some are receiving. That's just how it is. Let me tell you something. If your job is done correctly. And if you're a true watchman on the wall, and you pray and never give up without ceasing, when they come back, you'll still be right there with them. Okay. You'll be pouring into amen. them as they pour into you. Amen. You'll be rejoicing with them as they rejoice amen. with you. You'll be rejoicing because they went and they came back. Not only that, but because the will of the Lord was done, no matter what happened. Amen. If ten came back and three, uh, if ten went and three came back, but the will of the Lord was done. Amen. Amen. If you do your job here as they go out, then everybody has their part. Yes. Everybody has their part. This is a body. It's a balanced approach. This is not uh, one leg of the army goes out and the other stays and camps and eats and gets fed. We are all called together as such in a unity. Word. So I want to encourage you, as the Lord was encouraging me, fight the resistance. Fight the resistance of complacency. They go, and they go to a a different uh, environment and elements. So it brings revelation to them. But right here, right now, we must still fight the resistance. The resistance. We must resist tolerance. We must resist complacency. All these things right here. When the Lord's showing me a a rock thrown uh, into the water and it ripples out, it starts right there. Amen. Right there. It ripples outwards. Amen. And if we're going to be refreshing to the nations, then it's going to start right here. One person, one family, and one nation at a time. It starts here. Amen. It starts here. And if you can't go, that's, that means you have been given a different job. And if you go, then you do that well. If you stay, do it well. Yes. When others go, then you need to step up in their place and do what they would do if they weren't here. That is
1: awesome. That's man? a good word. Man. You know how you know, you know. We all have this thing that happens, right? Like you said, man, I ran into some trouble in Mexico. And then somebody goes, what time is that? Right? I always want to go you first. You know, but, oh, I said, oh, it's about 3.15. Oh, that's amazing. That's around the time I, I was pregnant. If that's where it ends, I'm usually like, Maybe, maybe not, right? You know when someone has got the spirit of intercession, when they're as happy about the successes as you are, when they are as heart-torn about the suffering as you are. Because what intercession does is it takes both of your hearts in different places and it unites them in one task. Moses is on a mountain with his hands raised, but he's every bit as invested in the battle as Joshua who is swinging the sword. You share in each other's struggles in that way, and this is the kingdom. But what Americans tend to call intercession is, I had a passing thought about you around three, which was really the Lord telling me, get off my salvation and pray. I didn't do it, but now I would like credit for what you fought for. That's usually what it is. And for that reason, uh, I... I haven't put a lot of stock in people that have said it, but when the Lord lifts you up, like He said, shakes you by the shoulders, you feel like you accomplished something when they return safely because if nobody else knows it, you know that the Lord used you for that. That's what intercession is like. Intercession is not a weird thing done in a trailer somewhere that nobody knows about or sees about. Intercession is when two brothers care about each other whether they can see each other or not. And you would labor in your spirit on their behalf. That's intercession. Are there any intercessors here today? Yes. You know, while Mike was speaking, there's a rumbling back there. Did anybody hear that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Y'all can hear it every once in a while. It makes me think something's going on up here, huh, in the ceiling. Sounds like something's on a wheel running around. They won't be able to hear this online. They won't know what we're talking about. But you know what is back there? Mm -hmm. Buddhists. Mm -hmm. They're playing drums kind of intercession. Mm-hmm. You know how long they'll do that today? They started at light and they'll end at sundown. That's how dedicated they are for their intercession. You have a role. Michael, I had no idea what he was going to say, but I loved it. You have a role. Pay, pray, or go. All right? That may sound overly simple, uh, but it's effective.
10: You know? And there's no reason that you can't do all three roles at different times. Yeah, yeah that's easy. That's easy to understand. If you have no money, that means God's telling you to use your time. If you have no time, then use your money. It's it's really simple. You say, Well, I can't hear from the Lord. There it is. <laughs> that's it. If you have no time, use your money. If you have no money, use your time. You know, whatever it is you have, that's what he demands of you. That's what it amounts to. You wants your own life. Yeah. He wants your life. Why don't you stay stand your feet? That's a good word.